space. Here's a steal. Chance for Justin. Shot. Welcome back to the Soccer Moms Podcast, part of Couch GM. This is Laura Shaw. I'm Kat Tarr, and we are so grateful for the Playmakers Sports Bar and Grill. They're in Battleground, Ridgefield, coming soon to Hazeldale, for being the official home of the Couch GM Podcast. Well, today we're talking to David Copeland-Smith of Beast Mode Soccer. He's a trainer. He's an author. He's been involved with I don't know how many professional players, so we get the opportunity to talk to him today about... Well, we talked to him about Robbie Williams. We talked to him about Will Ferrell. We talked to him about a lot of things. So, uh, play soccer. So, <laughs> so this interview goes everywhere. Yep. And of course, if you guys are looking to purchase a home in the Pacific Northwest, we are your homegirls and we'd love to serve you guys. Oh, I like that. Homegirls. Soccer moms and homegirls. All right, y'all. See you soon. Uh, welcome back, guys, to the Soccer Moms podcast, part of the Couch GM. And today we have an amazing guest, David Copeland-Smith. We were just saying his name in a British accent, and he said mine was, my accent was terrible. <laughs> I'm going to do it. David Copeland-Smith. Um, still bad. That's fine. Um, author, uh, head of Beast Mode Soccer. I looked at your bio, it was a million miles long, have trained some of the best players in the world. Some of them we'll talk about today, um, has an amazing app and honestly is taking over the soccer world. David, thanks for joining us today. How much do I owe you on Venmo for that? <laughs> um, it's free, man. It's free. Um, appreciate David, it. Give us, give us a little bit about yourself, maybe like one, two minutes, little synopsis of little David Copeland-Smith to today? Um, I didn't realize this was a therapy session, but... <laughs> That's where you'll pay me later, yeah. don't worry about okay. it. Um, so, David Copeland-Smith was born on a cold February night in 1977 in Plymouth, England. Um, now, so, I moved to the US in 2003, which doesn't seem like... I, I've always been coaching. I coached teams in Florida for a couple of years. Um, did really well. The better the teams got, the more of a nightmare it became with like parents and stuff. And I just I decided I didn't want to do that. So I started to focus on individual, moved to California. Um, and that was really my goal, but I had to like pay rent. So I got a job at a high school. Now, I didn't know, but it was like super bougie. I didn't realize at the time. Um, met high school, like, just yeah, where like, were you? Harvard Westlake in Studio City. Huh? I mean, postcode was Harvard in it, and you didn't know it was going to be bougie. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's fine because it's they, they've got quite a storied history with football. Like, I don't know if you guys know Jill Oaks, mm-hmm. we do. Jill, yeah, I played Jill. with her. Oh, yeah, so you know, like, Oaksy, like, shout out Oaksy, the woman's a legend. Uh, Oaksy went there, Ali Riley, Alyssa and Giselle Thompson. Wow. They've, they've done well. Uh, but I was coaching there, met Ali Riley, started to train Ali. Um, she went on to do all right. Five World Cups, five Olympics. Ooh, this will be a fifth Olympics. Um, and then, yeah, it all kicked off. I can go real deep if you want. It, like The story is actually good. Go. And, it, yeah. and, it, and it involves like 
you know, pop stars, mansions. Okay, go deep. Yep, get it. Will Ferrell. What? Okay, get there. Get there with us. Yeah. So, um, so with with Ali, she couldn't stand me at the beginning. Um, I was there coaching JV. She was on varsity. And first day, I was working with both teams. She told the freshman to put the equipment away. And I'm like, no, that's glorified bullying. Lead by example. And um, still, I, I saw both of you like, it's glorified bullying. Telling yes, a freshman. I, I'm, I'm going to agree. I've been, I've been that one. Yeah. I get it. So she couldn't stand me, but we ended up working together. Um and she was awesome. Then Ali went to Stanford. So she was roommates with Kelly O'Hara. Um, and at that time, I was living in a pop star's mansion. Who? Uh, it's an English guy. You won't know. Hmm. Try us. Robbie Williams. Oh, what? My... Why would we not know who Robbie Williams is? <laughs> Hold on. My husband's from Germany, and he just made me sit through a Robbie Williams documentary. Hold on a minute. I'm in that apparently on Netflix, right? On Netflix. Yeah, apparently I'm in it, but I haven't watched it. No, I don't want to watch it. That uh, the only music video is of that guy ripping his skin off. So apparently we know a lot more than you'd think. And when my husband watches this, he's gonna want to call you. Yeah. So re-watch it, re-watch it, and tell me what episode I'm in. Apparently I'm in it. My mum says I'm in it, but I haven't watched it. Um, but I was, I was. Yeah, Rob was a friend of mine, and I was house sitting for him because he was on tour. And there was a soccer field in the backyard, which is basically a converted tennis court. So we used to play there pretty much every night. And because I'd been training Riley, we would have people come up and train, and then we would play. So, you know, it started off with like Riley and um, Sarah Huffman. Abby Wambach, Liz Bogus, Amy Lapella bit, Bianca D'Agostino, and then press, like Kristen started to come up. And we would all like, I would train them all before and then would play. Um, and it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, it was on Mulholland. So on one side you could overlook Beverly Hills and on the other side the valley. Um pretty insane. Um Happy was so technical. Okay, makes sense. Who? Sarah Hoffman played with her at the Thorns. Oh, I love love Huffy to bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, with the Robbie Williams, where's Will Ferrell getting here? Uh, oh, so I'll tell the Will. Sorry, I haven't told this for years, man. <laughs> so, um, there's a thing in England called Soccer Aid, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like basically England versus the rest of the world, and it's like pop stars and actors and old players and stuff like that, and they all play. And oh, this is such a name dropper. So I get a. Uh, an email i get an email from woody harrelson um and i don't know if you know woody like woody's in the hunger games and we stuff don't like need that you to intro woody harrelson <laughs> yeah i have a crush on him and he's like 79 so oh mate he's honestly that crush, that, that crush is, is worthy i haven't seen him for like 10 years but that crush is worthy because he's one of the nicest people on the planet <laughs> like he's genuinely like stand-up guy you literally said my husband's man crush and then my man crush so now we're about to get to will ferrell which is her man crush. okay so <laughs> love a man who can make me laugh because woody woody used to come up and play with us and he was terrible but he could white man can't jump though but everyone loved him because he tried 
and uh, he, I got an email and he was like, oh, would you train, like work with my friend? He's doing this soccer tournament in England. And I'm like, yeah, of course I will. You know, sending my details. Then I get an email and it's like, hey, Dave, our mutual friend Woody put me in touch. And I'm like, Haha, someone just said I'm mutual friends with Woody. Cool. And um, signed it, Will. I didn't think anything of it until I scrolled down and I saw Gary Sanchez Productions. And that's his production company. And I was like, nah. That can't be Will Ferrell. Wait, so he, you trained Will Ferrell. Yeah, so he show he shows up a couple of days later. Tell me this was for his soccer movie from like 15 years ago. No, 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 no. But he shows up and we had to be careful at that field because like if people figured out like someone famous who was coming up, everybody wanted to play, you know. Sure. So we used to used to keep it quite tight. And Will shows up and I'm like, he gets out of the car and I'm trying to be like, cool, right? I've lived in LA for ages at the time. I'm like, I'm good with people who are like famous and that. It's all right. And he's like, hey, I'm Will. And I was like, <laughs> and he looked at me and went, how long is that going to last? And I said, I'm good. I'm good with it. I made peace with it. Was he so, super high Daisy Duke soccer shorts? and being? He was not. It just came up. But he was actually, you know what? He was actually very good. Don't yep. say, no, you don't have to say that. No, like, no lie, like, very athletic. Um, Gerard Butler was up there at the field that night as well, and he was better than Jerry. He and, was than Gerard Butler, who was yeah, the most yeah. action hero. Yeah, and it was funny because when we were, like, we, me and we were trained, and then, like, all the players were showing up. And I remember Huffy came on, and, like, no, Huffy was a big elf fan. And she was jo- she was jogging around the field, and I seen her. She was jogging around the field, and then she seen him, and she sprinted towards me. She's like, "Is that elf?" The best thing, right? Like, we're all just chatting beforehand, and everyone's doing their like hardest to be like cool in front of Will Ferrell, me included. But really, everyone's just looking at them, and they just see their favorite Will character, right? So we're all chatting and Will's like the center of attention and my buddy walks in and he goes, Rocco? And we're all like, because it's a wind-up. Like, how does Will know Rocco? And Rocco's like, Will Ferrell? And Will goes, it's me, Max's dad. Because oh. Rocco works with like um, preschool. He does it, he's got a preschool soccer program. And, and Rocco was like, hey, Max's dad. And I think that was when Rocco peaked. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So fast forward all that. I, that's the that's the best start. When I ask everybody to tell me about their life, they're usually like, I grew up and I played little soccer. And that was yeah. Like, Here you are. With, Kicking off with Will Ferrell with and Will Ferrell. Robbie Williams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I look back and – at the time, I didn't realize, you know, like what a yeah. big deal all of that was because, like, Rob was literally an angel to me, like, still is. Like, just Rob is a very, he's a caregiver, you know, he just, he just wants to help people and he really helped me. I was in a tough spot then. That's cool. Um, and I think all of those people were there for, for a reason. Um, and it was funny because a couple of, you know, Months later, or maybe a different you know, year after, Kelly was coming up, and we used to train and then play. 
and we do we'd get like Premier League players coming up because of that like athlete celebrity crossover thing. Sure. You know, like they all wanted to come and play at Robbie Williams' house. Yeah. So it was a summer, so it was pretty busy. And uh Kelly texts me and she's like, Oh Dave, like can I bring some friends up tonight? And I'm like, Oh, it's like is it gonna be a really good level tonight, Kel? Like if they're bad, they're gonna be on your team. Sure. And she's like, No, they they'll be able to hang and it was it was Tobin and Alex. So they were indeed able to hang. Yeah, yeah. I've played with Tobin and Alex both at the Thorns, and I remember Alex talking about Beast Mode Soccer, which is the transition here. When did that Beast Mode Soccer, when did it come alive? So, you know, I've been doing individual training for since I moved to the U.S., like, like 18, eight, almost 20 years now, isn't it? 20 years, yeah, that's the math. Um, so it's basically since I've, I've moved here, but 2011, Riley was back. If I call say Riley, it's Ali. Um, Riley was back from, it, it was either college or like a first pro season, I can't remember. But she told me that I, I have to grow up because I was like training all these amazing players but no one knew who I was. It was like, you're just Dave, the soccer guy. Sure. Um, and it was a bit of an ego punch getting told by a child that, you know, you've got to grow up. And I'm like, no, I'm Peter Pan, mate. Living in a, living in a mansion with a soccer field where I don't pay any rent. What are you talking about? I need to grow up. You grow up. Yeah, that's fair. Um, response, by the way. So I did. And then I created the name and all my friends hated it. Um, but all my all my players loved it. Where and, did you come up with it? You know what? It was around that time of that B.O.B. song, Beast Mode. I don't know if you remember that. Nope. I'm in Beast Mode. I'm in Beast No, come on. What, what music were you listening to? About airplanes? I don't know. It also reminds me of Marshawn Lynch. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah we don't mention that in name. Actually, when I was like, I'm I told my husband, I'm like, I'm going to talk to David Copeland with Beast Mode. He was like, Marshawn? I'm like, get out. No, Marshawn sued us, so we don't want to mention his name. Stop. Oh, yeah. boy. Is this okay, another, another story we can move on from? on over. Okay. Yeah. So Beast Mode was a B.O.B. song. And yeah, and it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I'm just, just picture this scene. Kicked back in my mansion. Overlooking the, <laughs> overlooking the valley with the main bedroom and I'm like I woke up I wonder if beastmodesoccer.com is available so I went on to GoDaddy at like three in the morning bought <laughs> it and then I started to ask people I was like what do you think and they're like I, we hate that name it's ridiculous and uh but Riley and them they liked it yeah. so so we went with it and it and it stuck um but it's you know before the brand I've been I've been doing this for a long time. Um, so line this up. Will you line this up for me? So you're 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 living in Robbie Williams' home. What what about what year is this? I want to say I want to say 2011. Okay, and then when did you kick off Beast Mode Soccer? 2011. I got the trade. Oh. I got the trademark in 2011. Okay. Yeah. And then how? And so at the same time, you have these these. I mean, they're soccer stars. These people coming to the home. Yeah. Was that was that kind of the kickoff right there? And this three a.m. Yeah, that's that's when 
the brand kind of kicked off and I started to do videos um, for YouTube, which, you know, if you ever watched those, they were awful. Like, I went back. I went the, the content was good, but me on the camera was awful. And it was funny because like Riley was be, Riley was the one filming and she'd be like, this is just the worst. And I'm like, I know. And it actually took a guy who, um, I don't know if you like punk rock, but my friend Nick is like, he's responsible for every famous punk rock album cover. He's an artist. Okay. And he's a very, very intelligent guy, Nick Egan. And name one punk rock artist that he did the cover for. Oh, is he trying us again to see if we know? Yeah, Sex. yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Sex oh, Pistols. Oh, yeah. Okay. No problem. In Excess, Michael Hutchins. Like, Annie I'm Lennon. I'm in my head, yes, only to fit in, but I have no idea what you guys are talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but Nick, Nick saw one of my videos and he called me and he's like, Dave, I need to get you in a studio. And I'm like, for what? He's like, to teach you how to be on camera. And he did. And he, and he did. And, and it was very, very valuable. And he basically just taught me to not care. And since then, I've been known as one take. You so. just do one take. That's the goal, right? To get it done. And, you know, when I've worked with companies, they get annoyed with me because they're like, all right, let's do it again. I'm like, no, we've, we got it. There's no need to do a hundred takes of the same thing. Like, we're good. So you're starting beast mode. You go in with Nick, you come out a little bit stronger in your videos. I would say, I'd say a lot stronger, but okay. if you're saying a little bit stronger, that's cool as well. Well, I watched them. It's definitely been a progression. Now I would say they're amazing. The views that you get, I mean, you're almost at, you're at hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, I'll tell you that when I was playing in the NWSL, the word was beast mode soccer. I mean, we were all talking about how we could get our hands on what you were putting out and the content you were putting out. And I want to talk about that because the biggest difference that we saw in the trainers was like you you got a trainer and he'd like he or she would put some cones down and we would just do this repetition stuff and it and sometimes i myself would even ask like where is this in a game right and so i want i want you to talk about the difference between beast mode soccer and your everyday trainer yeah um first of all it's amazing that to hear that you guys like were talking about it like it I struggle with that stuff because I'm like, why? You know, like it's, I've got a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think the difference is the details, you know, like even our like footwork patterns and stuff like this, because we get, we used to get a lot of feed, uh, pushback with like, because of those cone drills. And I've said this like a million times. I'm like, no, you're never going to do that pattern in a game ever. But, each movement in that pattern you're going to do every game so each pullback each outside touch each forward and then as we've progressed it's it's hyper hyper specific so for, for example i was just down in san diego with alex and you know for our session that lasts an hour and 10 minutes probably looking at about six hours of prep that for that session because you know i 
I watch every game during the season and then I watch every touch that she's made in the last 20 games. Um, and I can do that using Y Scout, which is phenomenal. Um, and then I can see what patterns are forming if there's things that she's doing really, really well that we can add to, or if there's things where there's a pattern emerging of, you know, maybe she keeps missing from the same spot. And then it's looking at um, body position. It's looking at how she's approaching the ball. And can we add to that? Can we change it? I'll be honest, there's not a lot of changing. It's adding, you know, because, you know, with a few players that I work with, people are like, ah, oh, they don't have perfect technique. And you're like, but they score goals, right? Yeah. So why why would I try and change someone's technique that is working for them? Yeah. And technique, it's kind of like art, isn't it? Right? It's not it's not perfect. Who who wrote the book on it, it, fantastic it technique? Yeah, it's their own way of doing it. And as a center back, I'll tell you that it's that art, it's that little intricacy that makes a forward good or great. And with defending Alex for a year, um, she has an unreal ability just to receive and shoot. Like within a blink of an eye, within before even I can make a decision, she has her shot off. Yeah. So you can say anything you want about Alex Morgan. Yeah. And Um, that's what she's a star at. Yeah. And you you look at out like left foot, right foot, doesn't matter. but that's like for the last 12 years, that's what we've been doing is just trying to add to a game, add to a game, add to a game and, you know, make her know that she's done more. So then she can go into camp super confident. She can go into the season super confident because she knows she's got the reps to back it up. Um, and the same, I like, talk about centre-backs. I've had Sarah Gordon um for the last couple of years i actually first started to work with sarah like eight years ago um but like this last couple of years since she's been in la we've worked a lot and that's where i'm that's like what i'm most proud of is seeing um players mind shift from i'm not good enough to no, I'm actually really good at this. And, you know, you see Sarah last year, it was it was nothing short of a transformation. And she's going to be the same this year as well. Like, she's started to understand that she can really, really impact the game as a centre-back and not because of her athletic ability because that's what used to kind of annoy me and people were like yeah she's so fast sure. and you know she is but she can do a lot more she's not just an insurance policy right so that's what we've been working on for a, for a long time as a distribution and given her that, that ability to know that if she sees that 40 yard diag just hit it stop thinking hit it yeah. So when you, you know, when, when these players come to you and they, they want to be trained by you, you know, what, what do you, what's the first thing you do? Do you, you know, take them out and kind of assess where they're at? Do you get to know them as a mix of all of it? And I know you've mentioned that follow through is something that separates elite players from, you know, your, your common player, or even your, your good or great player. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. 
Um, Perfect. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, it. This guy's easy, isn't it? Yes, I can. Um, so, first of all, like players usually reach out through other players, right? So, um, it'll be, you know, you work with my teammate, I'm going to be in LA, um, will you work with me? So, the first thing I'll do is ask, I'll, gi I'll give a good example of this. Actually, just signed for the Portland Thorns, Jesse Fleming. Hey. Um, so a good example is Jesse. So Jesse got hold of me through Janine Becky. And Jesse was at UCLA. And I kind of always wanted to work with Jess, but I don't reach out because it's got to be player driven. Yeah. So I you know, Janine introduces us. I send um Jess a text saying what do you think you need to work on? That's usually the first thing. Now, usually players give me like three or four points they want to work on. Jesse's was like this, right? 2005 Barcelona versus Espanol, the way that Iniesta was spinning out. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, wow, here we go. <laughs> right, but then the next thing is for me to download their clips and really get a feel for them as a player and, and i'll be honest usually i i already know a lot about the player sure. but i want the clips to back me up or prove me wrong um so i'll watch all their clips and then we'll collaborate on what they they think they need to work on so i'll give my points about you know feel free to change this tell me what you think and then we'll collaborate and then i'll start working out on a, an action plan and they follow through um like like with the follow through thing it's everybody says that they want to to be good at something yeah. right like i want to be able to speak spanish right now if i do 10 minutes of duolingo every day i'm never going to be able to speak spanish right? i'll be able to order a hot dog you're, you're about to get sued by marshawn lynch and duolingo by the way <laughs> keep going i think duolingo is being proven that it's it's like a good like video game, right? Um, comment, bro. No comment. Keep going. <laughs> Come at me, Duolingo. <laughs> I'll just be over here. <laughs> ven aquí, Duolingo. Ven aquí. Um, but you know, if if I want to speak Spanish, I need to be doing an hour of hardcore lessons every day. Will I do that? It's I don't know. I don't know if if I'll. This time next year, let's do this again in Spanish. We'll see. And it's the same with footballers. Like so many players say that, oh, Dave, I want to train. I want to do this in the off season. And then I reach out in the off season and it's radio silence. But again, like a great example is Sarah Gordon. Sarah lives in Calabasas, which is far. Like no one, like, I don't know why anybody would want to live out there. It's lovely, but it's so far. Um, and I train at uh, Aviation Field in Redondo Beach. Now, I don't, if you know LA, that's far. That's like at least an hour. Yeah, that's not close. No, Sarah's there every day at 7 a.m. Wow. Like, I would say four, four days a week, she's there. And people wonder why she's getting better. It's not rocket science, it's follow through. You know, with, with Alex, Alex has had 12 years of it. You know, Ali Riley since she was 17. 
you know it's that follow through rachel daly like rage is in england and you know we still speak every week about a performance what i think she could do better what what she's been doing well it's follow through right it's taking 20 minutes after training to to do a little bit extra me official at tigres who's now at chelsea you know as soon as i got to tigres um mia walked right up to me she's like i've been waiting to train with you and you know first of all it's like very very humbling you know because i know who mia is like fantastic player and that's great to hear mallory mallory pew after the 2019 world cup in the at the party afterwards in paris comes on is like dave i want to start working with you i'm like mal you've just want to walk up from relax and she's like yeah but i didn't make the impact that i wanted to so i need something more and the follow-through right yeah. so you're getting clearly these players that are meeting you in their later teens some of them a little earlier there is a lot of families and hopefully at some point young players who are watching this podcast and they want to know how do they get there? What is Beast Mode Soccer doing for our youth to get them to so the spot what, that these players are already yeah. at find you? So what I what I'm all about is basically taking excuses away from people. Now I'm not saying if you train with Beast Mode Soccer, you're gonna become a pro and a national team player because that's not realistic but right? not everyone's gonna reach that level but yeah. i will show you how to, you can top out right you may top out as a really good division one athlete you may top out as a mid-level naia athlete and it's all good yeah. right as long as you know that you've put in all of that work and you and we all know when we've topped out right you know when you look at it like this is this is i'm this is how good i am and i've worked and, and i'm happy with it and that's what i find is that people are happy and what i've done is put all the tools out there for nothing you know like we have a thing called bmsfc which is free but it's bsmodsoccer.com forward slash bmsfc it includes an IDP, and then a roadmap for three months on stuff that you can do to get you into the habit of working on yourself. And again, we'll see who follows through with it, right? Because that IDP is the first thing, and that's a lot of work. It is, yeah. There's a lot of work to do. And especially like in our current era, we are we are an instant gratification world right now anything really worth achieving in life is not instant gratification it's delayed gratification and football is no different at all right if you if i want to get good at it i've got to work and you see like all the time i get emails i really want to be the best i'm like okay here you go here's an idp yeah but that looks like so much writing <laughs> And you know, and I'm always nice. I'm like, if you don't want to do it, that's cool. Just don't <laughs> lie to yourself and say that I actually really want to do it. 
because there's no point just going online and randomly pulling drills off YouTube or Instagram and going out and doing them. There's no point. If it's not geared toward your goals, what, what are you doing? Well, that's what drives me crazy is I'm coaching a U10 boys team and the, the club, you know, talks about like the technical, like, you know, start off with 30, 45 minutes of technical. And I don't want to spend 40, half of my training session doing technical work. I think that technical work should be spent at home or with a trainer or a mentor or on an app. And then of course the club comes back and says, well, where can we find those things? And here you are yeah. training the best players in the world, offering free resources to parents, to players, to anyone who's searching for that. And I would argue that if you looked in, and you know, some way could find out who was clicking that button, it'd be the players that you talked about with the followers. Yeah, and the, the, the other problem, Kat, is like in football in general, there's so much ego involved, right? So, you know, yes. clubs... We were just at the NCAA soccer convention. I, I went for a day. I went like, for a day. Oh, you walk in, the ego <laughs> is like, just got to whiff through it. Just The, the polyester posse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The smell of ego is just just too, the ego. too much. There's too much polyester. <laughs> I wanted to get matching sweatsuits. There's like, too much polyester. You know, all the staffs have them. I was like, we might as well just go all in. Yeah, it's like polyester and their initials. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and unfortunately, it seems like ego gets in the way of development. Like, you know, we've had clubs reach out going, "Oh, we want to use your IDP, but we don't want your logo on it." And you're like, oh, so those hundreds of hours I've put in, you don't want me to get any credit. Or, you know, I've, I've got hundreds of examples from clubs where I'm I'm just mind blown that credit, they want credit over things rather than actual development. And I'm I'm the complete opposite. You know, like I'm giving it to you, but take it and just implement it in your club. And again, like how many kids are on your team? We've got three teams. So we do a pool of 33 kids and then we have- Right, 33? Yeah. So realistically, maybe 20% would actually do it, maybe. right? So that's what, what is that, six? Is that six? I Seven. would say that maybe four kids on that group yeah. might do it. Maybe more, you know, I've, yeah. I'm and afraid for them to see the video and hear me say four. So I'm going to say <laughs> half. No, but like when you see when what happens is that after four or five months, all of a sudden those four kids are seeing those tangible benefits. Right. And then maybe one or two other kids well, their parents will start asking how yeah. and they'll get on it. So max will be six, right? But then you go to the next season and you've got those six who are doing it. And then maybe you get another three. Sure. And really, realistically, like max, you're going to have half a team doing it eventually, right? Well, who wouldn't want that? You know, that's huge for you as a coach. That's massive. It is. Right. If you know that a player's working on their own and it, it's weird because in, in soccer, it's like, it's such a weird thing. Like tennis, 
players, if you don't train in tennis, you're not playing tennis. So if you don't train on your own, you're not playing. If basketball, golf, they've all got trainers or they, they're out on the course, you know, away from their teams, away from their clubs. But in football, it's like everybody says they want to do it, but it's kind of frowned upon. Especially the like the high level you get, it's like oh, periodization. You, we can't have we can't have you doing extra. And I, I've had that at at the pro level where coaches will ban players from from doing more. And I understand with periodization, I get it. But your periodization should build in to what that player needs. And if that player needs extra reps, that should be built into their periodization and you see the top level coaches understand that but the periodization clones they don't understand that so you know there was a, a coach at the dash who wouldn't let the players do anything else and you know when Mewis did her ACL she accused her of doing extra in the gym this doesn't happen with my periodization and the arrogance of it is beyond how often do you see that 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 people aren't allowed to to have their trainer or go through their routine and they're they're controlled within the system that they're in to such a degree that they don't have they don't have that flexibility quite a lot professional level quite a uh, college in the professional level quite a lot but professional level um i've now i've got like decent relationships with the clubs um but I'd still say not open enough, you know, like to collaborate. And again, I think that comes down to maybe ego or fear or whatever. Um, and I'm seeing it more at college as well, you know, and they'll always say to the player, oh, like, tell Dave that you can't train with him this week. And I'll text the coach and be like, tell me yourself. Why are you going through a 19-year-old girl? You're an adult. Talk to me. Well, Come to our session. See what we do. King word though, right now. It's like it's exciting. We go through these rondos, periodization. Like there are these words that we all grab onto. It's important, but I think a lot of people don't well, know what it really is. Periodization works. Yeah. It works if you do it right. Yeah, like when I went down to Tigres with do you know Carmen Moscato? I don't. So Carmen, Carmen played for uh, Carmelina Moscato. She played for um, Seattle Rain back in the day and Canada, and she's now a coach. And Carmen blew my mind. Like her periodization, because we met before I went down there, and she had already built all individual into every individual's um, periodization to the, to the minute. You know, because she's collaborated with all the trainers and the, the PT staff. And it's like, right, this this player can afford to do 18 minutes extra, no more than X amount of reps. That, that is phenomenal. You know, it's, it's the ones who are like, no extra at all. And I don't understand it because I, as a player know my body better than any trainer knows my body. I know if I can do more. And and I think 
95% of the trainers out there are phenomenal, really good. But I think they need to open up and be more collaborative with people like myself and not have that arrogance of our way is the only way. Some of my longtime friends uh, interviewed Carly Lloyd the other day, and I know that Carly Lloyd felt restricted, and she said that uh, publicly, that she felt restricted at times as a professional um, and with the U.S. Women's National Team, that she wanted to train more and that she had to find creative ways to do it because it yeah. wasn't necessarily allowed in every environment. Well, I think with, with Carly, Carly was one of those players that she needed to do more psychologically mm-hmm. because – Carly loved training, and if you take that away, because Carly reminds me like of attitude-wise with Rach Daly, they need to know that they've done more. And Carly and was like very psychology base of like performing at the level that they need to be at. They need to know that they put in that extra work. Yeah. It needs to be mm-hmm. here so that yeah. they can participate some mental edge on your opponent yeah Yeah. you know that you did more so and she was very you know carly's a very astute person as well so she's not going to overtrain um and yeah with with u.s soccer and you know sometimes i used to think i was always battling with 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 u.s soccer because they wouldn't necessarily want me training players like in the off season or before camps and you know, I'm sure that most people at US Soccer have no idea what I'm talking about, but sometimes they didn't make it easy. That's the third person who's suing us all, so we'll just keep... <laughs> no, I mean, you can't sue with fact, right? Yeah. Facts are facts. And and to be quite honest, I understand where they're coming from. So if that's the case, sit down and collaborate with me watch the sessions to make sure that you're happy with what we're doing. Cause I can switch it around to yeah. make everybody happy, to make sure that the, the player is the hunger has been quenched. Thirst has been quenched. Yeah. Um, and to make sure that it fits into their bigger plan as well. Um, yeah. You wrote a book called The Better Soccer Blueprint, and I, I want to know how, like, you're an author now. How'd you come up with that? What inspired it? Why should somebody read it? So were you with um, Bueller? Yes. Okay, so 2012-ish. Yeah. This is another name drop story. Uh-oh. Um, I, was, I was working with a bunch of players with Mia Hamm, and um Mia Ham, what a legend, isn't it? Like right. still, still to this day. It was like, who's your favorite? And I'm like, you're not gonna like this answer. I yeah. played with Mia Ham. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, right. well, I did it, and she's still one of my favorites. I mean <laughs> when yes. when when oh, you're when you're at the canteen and you ask her what she wants to eat, she just says, Grab me a ham burger. But um, Mia Ham. Yeah, her, her delivery's on point. Mia she's Ham, very flat, but she's very, I, very funny. Mia Ham told me that joke, so <laughs> of course she did. So we um, but yeah, I was working with Mia, who Mia has this way about her that makes you feel amazing. Like and to this day, every time I see I see Mia, 
I walk away feeling like I could like I've ruled the world. She's brilliant. And so we were training a bunch of players. Um, like Rach, Bueller, um, Alex, Sid, LaRue, Boxy, Abby Weinberg, like basically the national team at the time. Wow. And Bueller came up to me and was like, Dave, I've got to go down to San Diego. Can you write me some footwork stuff? Because I haven't done this in so long. And I was like, yeah, of course I will. But then on my way home, I was like, well, if an Olympic gold medalist doesn't know what to do on her own, how does a 14-year-old kid, you know? So I wrote this book slash program. She's called- like a brain surgeon now, too. So she ain't Stanford grad. She's your average Joe. She was, Rach was always going to be, because like she's from a family of doctors, you know, like. But it's one thing to be a family of doctors and then like go be on the national team and then be a doctor. I think that is a she's just a badass though, isn't it? We, I think you knew you know her, you knew she was gonna do something like that. Yeah, right? total badass. She's yeah. so intelligent, so well spoken. Um so humble. Yeah, yeah, she like phenomenal. So I wrote this program uh, called the Better Soccer Blueprint, and that was the first of quite a few that I wrote out um all the way up to the app now um cow i have to ask you a question really quickly is your second name really tar yeah 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 so you're qatar that's it bro wow so wow have you got any other friends like no that's it i only have myself as a friend you got, you don't know anyone called ku wait nope just qatar no no saudi Arabia? No. That's it. That's me. Oh, that's a great name. Last name is Vupka. It has the O with the two dots above it. That's exciting. Hyphenated. I didn't go that way. <laughs> didn't go that way. <laughs> were you were you loving life with the Qatar World Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, they yeah. asked me. I said it was fine. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so we're good. Um, so I, I just remembered that when I saw it. Um, but yeah, so that we wrote. I wrote that, and then. You know, it's it's all evolved into the, the app Beast Mod Soccer Plus, which is again follow through, right? Like everything's there at your fingertips for twenty bucks a month. You know, if if you if you really want it, it's there. What? Okay, you get the app. Are you seeing videos? Are you seeing instruction? Are you seeing? You're seeing videos. You're seeing a calendar. You're seeing. No, so with. <laughs> With the app, what we've got in there is like basically a bunch of lessons uh, about tactical stuff, but there's over a hundred individual sessions. So it isn't, you know, don't go in there for for um, cinematography because it's not the best shot thing. It's just me and my GoPro, and I stick it up when when I'm working with players. I film, right? Um, but there's over a hundred sessions in there, which are broken down into like footwork, shooting, passing, stuff like that. And you can either go in and organize your calendar and then the sessions waiting for you every day, or you can just go in and just train. And we've covered every angle and we add, we aim to add a new session every month. Wow. Um, it's usually 10 new sessions a year. Um, and it's, it's been a very interesting journey with that as well because um, people tend to gamify things and they're like, right, Dave, I've, I've finished the 100 sessions, now what? 
and I'm like, well, you see that one session with Alex? They're like, yeah, I'm like, we've probably done that one session 20 times. Just me and her. Maybe you should do it 20 times. Yeah. Because yeah. um, people want to finish things. Um, but again, it. About perfection not being the goal. Like, there's no. Of us are going to play perfect soccer. But the goal is being constant and having that seeing that problem and then solving it and then solving it a little bit better and then realizing that the answer might be three different answers based on what you see and how you see it and what angle you're at and that's the beauty of this game is that you could write a thousand books on the game and you still wouldn't hit every no. single opportunity or decision making moment in the game of soccer no, and it, you know that's actually that's actually very true. Like my goal is to make my players consistent and confident, and I want my players to have the worst game of their lives, and still be really confident next game. Like that's how I know that I've succeeded when a player has just had an absolute mare of a game, right? And they walk off and they're texting me about it, and I'm picking out the the, the good points. But the next game, they want that ball. Right. And the other thing that you picked on there as well is like, you know, you're never going to cover everything, which, which is so true. Like, and that's what I think has taken people a long time to understand what I do. Right. Because it was, well, are you a coach? And I, I'm not a coach because I'm not coaching a team. Right. I'm a trainer. Like I'm a skills development coach. And for the longest time it was, almost frowned upon yeah it's you against me yeah trainer and, versus coach yeah no that's exactly what it is and i think <laughs> with with united soccer coaches because i i've presented there a bunch of times and that's kind of helped me get the message of across of collaboration you know so now like i live in la and i'd say like 90 percent of my players like the youth players, I've got good relationships with their coaches. And they could, they'll text me and be like, oh, Dave, she had a brilliant game. She did this, she did that. It's taken 20 years to get there. Sure. You know? And there's still that ego thing. And and I really try hard with, with work to leave the ego at the door. And it's hard, right? Because we've all got ego, but it, ego is your enemy. And just to, to understand everybody's position like what i do i am a cog in a big machine you know in my mind i'm a very important cog but there are also many other very important cogs if you only do stuff with me you're never going to be a footballer right because you need to go out there and do it in games you need to you need some tactical you need tactical advice from your coach and but we're all you know as as Zac Efron said in High School Musical, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. He did say that, didn't he? Did he say it was a song? I'm not going to know. All in this together. You don't remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Did you live oh. in his mansion also at one point? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, no, I agree with you on that. I think I'll give you an example. When I was in Germany playing in the Bundesliga, there was a player who 
would tour with Didier Drogba and they would do the coolest shit. They'd be like juggling a million and balancing it on their necks. And now I'm not going to say that for it, but just doing some cool shit. And then she get on the field and that was, that was it. I mean, I'm, I'm a five, nine, 160 pound center back. Like you're not going to yeah. the ball on your neck for five minutes. <laughs> and that's what winds me up. That's honestly what winds me up about social media. Cause it's like anyone could be an expert on social media. Oh, hell yeah. Like you don't even have, have anything to back you anymore. You don't have to have a history. Like you just got to have a really good videographer and editor. That's so you get like on my next thing is like, when I approached you, I, I, I've been in the game. Laura's been in the game. We know yeah. who's, I'm not going to say fraud. Cause that's, it's a big, no, point. you can't, you can say that because it is kind of fraudulent. If I'm, if I'm a freestyler, I'm going to teach freestyle. I'm not teaching you one V one moves on the field. Cause if you do those one V one moves on the field, the next place you're going is probably an ambulance. No, absolutely. You know, um, <laughs> you, you guys played, so, you know, like, and there was there's a player who was at UNC and she never played and then she's phenomenal at freestyle, brilliant. But stop teaching people to do stupid tricks in games. That, Unless that's their goal. Unless like they're like, hey, David, they, I want to be a freestyler, and you yeah, would say, hey, absolutely. If you want to be a freestyler, go for it because it is cool. Freestyling is awesome to watch, right? You know, I watch these videos and I'm blown away. I'm like, how do they do this? It's cool. But you're not a footballer, no. right? And that's that's fine, but kind of like just stay in your lane. And you know, you see a bunch of these new gurus coming up on social media. I'm like, oh, cool. who are they? Where's their product? Like, what? Where are their players? Why are people listening to this clown? Like, they haven't produced anyone. They haven't helped anyone get to the top. But they've got like a million followers, and people listen to it like it's gospel. Well, that stuff plays so well on Instagram. It plays so well, you know, visually. I think a lot of people see it and they think, oh, if my yeah. kids could do that, maybe they'd be great at this sport because the person has a soccer ball and they happen to be doing tricks. I mean, I've lost count of how many times I've told people I never did tricks on a soccer field. Laura's trick was how you score goals. Laura's trick was people in the hospital. Score still for the Cal Bears. Never did tricks. I didn't do tricks. She no. didn't do tricks. She scored goals. No. Sorry. Right. I mean, I had a trainer. We worked on scoring goals. <laughs> well, I, I do feel like I feel like so many people have have fallen for the, the, these frauds online. Like, and these people are just they're reading like Russell Brunson books and Gary Vaynerchuk books, and they're an instant um, expert. And that's kind of hard to to battle. As well, because it's like, well, this guy in this video said that. I'm like, well, who is this guy? Yeah. That's some guy from Iowa who's never produced it. Because where are they? Again, where's your product? Right? Because our product is all over the fields in the US every like, weekend uh, at all levels. You know, like, instead of, like, focusing on views and followers, focus on developing players. And then that stuff should come with it. And if it doesn't, that's cool as well. Yeah. As long as you're really good at what you do, focus on being really good at what you do instead of caring about the social media side of it. Yeah, that that's tough. Like, 
it's tough, but we, we agree. What are your thoughts on, there's a lot of talk about how the U.S. men's national team can't compete. And then now, and we were just on a conversation with a few other um, guys and gals on this podcast, that there's a, I'd say a lingering fear, a worry that next up to bat is the U.S. women's national team not being able to compete. Oh, this conversation is boring. Like, well, I've heard this conversation about the women's national team since 2011. Are you, so you think there's nothing there? No, there is. The world is, the world is catching up, and so it should. It's been long enough. Yeah. It's been long enough. You should be competing with us. So how does the U.S. women, how did the youth, how did the youth coaches, how did the people that are pushing to bring up, is it Listen, soccer? Is it training? Like, everybody in, wants the sauce. Everybody we're in really good hands. Right, our U20s coach is Tracy Kevins, and Tracy is a developer of players. Right, like she develops players, and you know, people don't talk about Barcelona B, do they? You know, you've got Onyeka Gamaro, she's from Southern California, absolute baller. You know, people don't talk about our youth players coming up, like Ali Sentner, absolute sick player. Simone Jackson, goal machine, right? Like Alyssa, Giselle, like Lily, Lily Real at UCLA is a centre-back who can distribute so well. Everyone goes straight into like doom and glory, the US women are going to be shit, Spain's catching up. Good. They're meant to catch up. It gets boring whooping everybody's ass. It does. Right? Like, yeah, but it, it does frustrate me because it's just – it's just doom and gloom people who don't know what they're talking about. Well, like, There's a culture around soccer here, though, that like people say, well, I like to watch the U.S. women's national team because they win. I don't like the men's national team. So I think there's this fear that somehow if the women's team goes down, we're all going down with it. This is the thing, though. We're not going down. They're catching up. You know, like this World Cup, did we perform? No. We didn't perform as we should have. I think from the outside looking in, I think we all knew that was going to happen, right? Just like the possibility. Yeah, just like right. the vibe around the place, it didn't seem right. But no one's saying this about Norway, who were the perennial powerhouse. No one's saying it about China. No one said it about Germany or Brazil. I mean, uh, all these teams were all great at one point, right? No yeah. one's saying it about them, but it's, it's like. The United States are just like one big self-harmer when it comes to the U.S. women's national team. Like, we want them to lose because then people can get political and jump on their political bandwagon and start shouting at, you know, Megan. And so, uh, she has a pin. Yeah. I do think we have some really great young players coming up, though, and, and one of them is here with the Thorns. Uh, I mean, I, I believe you're pretty familiar with the Moultrie family. You, uh, you trained Olivia, yeah? Yeah, I trained I trained Liv. I'm tight with Casey. And Liv is Liv's special. But 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 everyone else is catching up. Right? We've got we've got Liv who's been playing since she was 15. Right? For the Thorns. And you've got Jaden down in San Diego. You've got Melanie Barcenas down in San Diego. And these are all like very, very good players, and they're all very like you look at Liv. Liv is an exciting player, yeah, yeah. right? Liv loves playing football, 
right now imagine imagine this are you guys in portland yeah cool imagine this olivia moultrie and jesse fleming in midfield that's going to be fun i mean it's it's obviously going to happen and i mean olivia's come so far she came here when i was i was running a development academy in portland uh for the thorns so when she came here i we're talking about periodization and all of those things i got a lot of insight into how that was being put together for a young player who wasn't necessarily going to get time in the NWSL right away for various reasons, but was going to become um, or had the chance of becoming and then put in a ton of work and is becoming such a special player. And I mean, now we see that she's going to be, um, it looks like she's going to be going to the gold cup with the U S women's national team, going to her first international uh, yeah. of that and level. She, and she deserves it. Honestly, like you yeah, look at the performances for Portland and the thing with live live as a had to earn it right Liv had to take the lead to court right and yep. and i think like with with the us she's really had to crawl away and really really work hard because that midfield is stacked you know the us midfield is always going to be but Liv has worked her ass off to get there and i'm really excited for her as i said like there's there's just off the top of my head, like there's six or seven players who have the potential to become world class. You know, um, I love watching Liv play. I love watching Melanie in San Diego, like Giselle, Alyssa. There's so many. So, you know, I'm not. I'm, Let's not all the future is bright. See, you guys are Thorns fans. We yeah we've how do you, post game for the thorns we've we've been you, involved. How do you feel about the thorns no longer being part of the timbers? I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to shift a lot of things, and I think there's yeah. you know a number of things to still be worked out. Um, but Are you timbers you know, fans, timbers and thorns fans. I mean we're we're there all the time. I mean I'm telling you now, Phil Neville is going to revolutionize your club. Okay, we he heard here first. Listen, Phil, for whatever reason, gets a bad rap. He's brilliant. He's a very, very good coach. People forget that Phil took a brand new club and took them to playoffs. That's not done in yeah, MLS. Heard you know, so I'm, I'm excited for you guys that you've got Phil there. I think there's also, we got to talk about here locally that a lot of bad stuff went down. I mean, you know, it did. What happened it, when I was there and whistle. Yeah, no, it, well, you obviously know Mana. Yep. You know, and I remember when that happened with Mana. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of wish you'd given better advice, you know. Um, but the toilet got flushed. That's what I'm saying. Let's that. move on. And, I, and honestly, I think the city of Portland needs to move on now and be like, right, we've got what we want. Let's push. Yeah, no, we, no. we, that's, that's where I'm at is that the, the most exciting thing to talk about is how the Portland Thorns have fallen. And, and at the end of the day, I, I sit there and I ask myself, like, who are the, who are the ones really getting the back end of this and the brunt of this? And it's the players, it's the new people that they brought in. It's the national team Karina LeBlanc, who's managing, who is an amazing person, and Sink, who helps out so much with that club. And I'm tired, man. I'm tired of saying that we all need to 
um, kind of shun and turn our back to this team and this club who it's an, it's an all new club. They've got energy. They want to fight. They want to be here for this town and for our city. And I'm excited about this. new. Let's not not forget that amidst all these things and the end of, you know, a number of things that I think all of us wish didn't occur. Uh, the team won the national championship. They, they won the league in the middle of all of that. So I think, yeah. I think the general consensus around here is that people want to cheer for the players and they want to cheer for the team. There's yeah. no love lost between the players and, and the fan base. And uh, I think new ownership is just a, a new launching point to grow. And I, think yeah. it's, and I think the NWSL is in such a different era now. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the, what- thorns, the Thorns aren't the only team, you know, drawing – um, sold out but stadiums. Like, yeah. Now you've got, you got Angel City and uh, Kansas City is going to have their their first um, women-specific uh, sports yeah. team stadium. And, I mean, there's too many great things happening um, for us to just, you know, dwell yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, one dynamic. You have to move on. And like, what happened with Meliana and Sinead was literally criminal, like literal criminal. And yeah, we've got Sinead coming on uh, and Michelle Betos next week. They're both awesome. Um, you'll have a lot of fun with them. And it it's criminal and now it's been dealt with. Yeah. So Portland in general, get behind that team. You've got Soph Smith up front for crying out loud. How can you not love this team? Well, Jesse Fleming is going to be a huge addition. And we're talking about Olivia Moultrie. And, um, let's talk about Let's talk about Liv. Let's talk about Jesse. Let's talk about them feeding Soph and Or run resign. I mean, there, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on that's positive. Oh, it's it's very exciting. Yeah. For you guys. I live in LA. Talk to us about how someone would get a hold of you or Beast Mode Soccer. How can we support Beast Mode Soccer? Um, we spread the word. Honestly, the best thing for, for parents would be to, to get their kid involved in BMSFC, which is a free program. Everything is free about it. BeastModeSoccer.com forward slash BMSFC. There is... For that, Connor? We'll post a link on this. Yeah, like, there is an upsell for my app in there, but if you don't buy the app, you still get all the BMSFC stuff for free. It's just a little upsell so that I can feed my dog. And how, how about if somebody wanted a trainer? Um, you can reach out on our website, um, even if you're not in LA. Like I've got such a deep network now that we can recommend trainers pretty much everywhere. Wow. Like good trainers, because there's not many good ones about. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we're we're wrapping up here. You know, if somebody's looking for a trainer for their for their you know talented kid, and they want to make sure that this is a, a good person that'll really help them out and not just take their money. Um, can you give us just a couple things that they can look for that separate somebody who really cares about their, their kid versus yeah. somebody who's just trying to sell? Yeah. Like, first of all, what can that person provide you a history of a player similar to yours and what they've done with that player? And it doesn't have to be that they've gone on to be a pro, you know, just yeah. have they got a history of development there? Or are they just equipment fiends with, you know, all the equipment in the world and it looks great? Because that fools a lot of parents and it and it should do because it does look good. Yeah, uh, 10,000 cones on the yeah. yeah, and you, you can always creep a session as well to watch because everybody can look amazing, right? But then as soon as you leave, they're on their phone. Um, and 
just like organization. Uh, you know what? The, the biggest thing is do they care? I care more about my players as people than I do about their football. Mm -hmm. You can right, right. The best I, coaches do. Yeah. Um, and follow your vibe. You know, like, do you get a good vibe off them? Because I think, you know, with parents, I think a lot of common sense goes out the window, right, when it comes to, to football and they get so enthralled in this keeping up with the Joneses thing. You know, yeah. real real development is long-term. If anyone says, oh, I'm going to make you a better player in two weeks, they're a liar and run away, Yeah. you know. And with me, our minimum booking session package is 12 because that's three months, once a week, three months with homework. That's when you will see tangible results, mm -hmm. right, if you've done the work. Um, you know, so many reach out around tryouts. Oh, we need a session for tryouts. I'm like, oh, cool, you need to go somewhere else because we're not doing that. This is a marathon. Uh, yeah, and that, that's what it is they, that parents understand that you have to have a relationship with your trainer and they have to care about your kid. And that's the way that you'll see results. If you just go once a you know, month or once every six, you're just not going to see results. And I, I go back to the Spanish lesson thing. Like, if you do a Spanish lesson once every six weeks, are you going to get any good at Spanish? No. no. But yeah, but twice a week, they, they go hang out at the Spanish supermarket. Oh, <laughs> I don't understand anything, right? So it's, you've got to have that consistency. Yeah, total immersion, right? And total immersion. Yeah, awesome. Well, David, I think Laura and I could probably talk to you forever because you are a, an amazing storyteller. And I think Me? the biggest thing that I admire is what the players say about you because players talk. Yeah. And you know real quick who means well and who actually understands the game. And then you learn right quick who wants to make money and, yeah. and maybe they still understand the game, but they, they show up unprepared and they drop cones and they, you know, if you're a center back and you're doing shooting over and over again, it, it shooting drills, shooting drills as a center back. That's my favorite. Oh yeah. No, I, I've done my share of shooting drills as a center back going like, ah, I think I took one shot three games ago, you know? Um, yeah. I'm going to be a really great shooter from now on. But um, last thing I would say is we, we have a lot of clubs that watch us as well. Um, is there any club opportunity for a mass club to get involved with Beastman Soccer? Yeah, so we do camps and we have a club um, package on the app where it's everybody from the club in the app, no one else. And of course, they can always get with. We can provide an IDP for everyone at the club for free. Cool. Um, you know, I love working with with smaller clubs who value what we bring, as opposed to the monster ones. Monster clubs tend to have monster egos, um, so we don't get involved a lot with the monster clubs. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Best of luck for you. Thank you. If you see Woody Harrelson, let <laughs> know. Yeah, I haven't seen Woody for a long time. If you see Robbie Williams, let him know. Yeah. <laughs> Will Ferrell, let him know. Laura, Laura says hi. So.
So thanks, brother. We'll see you. You are so welcome. Thank you. Your, your goodies on here, too. I appreciate it. And I hope um, Angel City beat Portland this year. All right. We'll probably contact you when that game's coming up. <laughs> we'll talk some shit. Don't worry. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it.